The New Orleans Saints have big shoes to fill at two very important positions, one on offense, one on defense. We'll break down how the New Orleans Saints will do it, and of course, get you a little bit of land yap on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that we're free and available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media over at CrescentCitySports.com, USA Today, Saints Wire, Tuesdays in Locked in NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday. It is Thursday morning here in the great city of New Orleans. Appreciate you very much for being here with us for another episode of Locked on Saints. And as always, we are live here on the uh, Locked on Saints YouTube page. Uh, Jerry, I see the welcome to September. Hey, everybody. Nice friendly reminder for you here on September 1st. Don't forget to pay your rent. Uh, Chad, Mikey, Jerry, uh, who else? I know I saw some others. Uh, Quintor, Quintarius, excuse me. I saw a bunch of folks with the Your Team Every Day. Appreciate y'all very much for being here. Don't forget to drop that Your Team Every Day in the chat. Like, subscribe, all of that good stuff here on the Locked on Saints YouTube page. And of course, if you're listening or watching later, always, always appreciate all the support, everything that you have done. We just passed for the third time this month our largest listening day over on the podcast side, which is absolutely incredible. So thank you all so much for showing up. Speaking of showing up, the New Orleans Saints are going to have to show up big time, even before the 2022 season begins, because they have some pretty big holes to fill, some shoes to fill, one on the offensive side, one on the defensive side. But I do think the New Orleans Saints are in good enough shape to get it done. Just a few days ago, the New Orleans Saints, of course, trading away star safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson to the Philadelphia Eagles for a price that I would say is not necessarily the return that they would have wanted to get, but it's the return that they got. The market simply is the market, as Jeff Duncan over at NOLA.com said. And I think that the next piece for that conversation is what do the New Orleans Saints do next? Like they got what they got from the trade. CJ Garner Johnson is no longer a New Orleans Saint. None of that is changing. So the Saints now have to continue to look forward, right? Like they made that decision. They did what they felt they needed to do and what was best for the team. And so now they have to figure out what's best for the team on the field. So how do the New Orleans Saints fill the role of C.J. Gardner-Johnson on the defensive side and over on the offensive side? How does Trevor Penning's injury end up impacting what the New Orleans Saints will need to do not only at depth at left tackle, but also for the future of this season at left tackle? Because there was always kind of a feeling that even if, even if Trevor Penning wasn't ready to go to be the starter at the beginning of the year, that at some point during the season, he would become the starter. Now, his sort of progress and development are being stifled by this injury. So how does that impact him? So let's answer those questions before we roll on to some of the other big topics today. The New Orleans Saints will need to figure out how it is that they're going to fill the role of C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I'll reiterate what I've said before. Filling the role of slot defender is something that the Saints can do replacing C.J. Gardner-Johnson is a whole other conversation entirely. And to an extent, maybe you want to replace C.J. Gardner-Johnson from that impact. Maybe you don't necessarily need to because you have new leaders on the defensive side. You have all of these leaders on the defensive side, like Cam Jordan, 
Demario Davis, Marshall, and Lattimore. And of course, now you've added Tyron Matthew. So the Saints should be okay in terms of the vocal leadership part of what they lost in C.J. Gardner-Johnson, or at least the vocal part of what they lost in C.J. Gardner-Johnson and trading him away. So the big thing is simply focusing now on what is the on-field production and how do you cover the position so that you can win games. The taunting, not taunting, but like the intimidation factor that C.J. Gardner-Johnson brought, the kind of back and forth that he would have with receivers and things like that, it was fun, but it doesn't necessarily translate to wins. His plays on the field, like interceptions on Tom Brady, like putting pressure on quarterbacks on third downs, putting hits on quarterbacks on third downs, playing outstanding in the run game as a run support safety, those are the things that are going to be tough, tougher and more important for you to replace when it comes to C.J. Garner-Johnson. So how do the New Orleans Saints do that? Dennis Allen said something very interesting on Wednesday when he mentioned that they may look at this as a matchup-based sort of rotation or situation. So that would mean that, let's say that the New Orleans Saints are about to go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Chris Godwin, one of the best slot receivers in the NFL, if not the best slot receiver in the NFL, is a quicker, shiftier type of receiver. So does that mean that the New Orleans Saints then, instead of going with somebody that's a little bit more of an enforcer, like let's say a PJ Williams or a Justin Evans, that they would go with maybe more of a coverage finesse guy in the slot like Bradley Roby? That seems to make sense. But then if you get to another team like let's say the Carolina Panthers, who are going to have a big guy in the slot, very likely Terrace Howard, formerly of the, no, not Terrence Howard, sorry, that's the actor, (laughs) but the former LSU Tigers wide receiver, Um, you end up with a situation there to where you might want to use somebody that's a little bit more physical. So you go with a PJ Williams or a Justin Evans, maybe on a long and late down, like a third and 10 or a second and 10 or something like that or even a fourth and, you know, fourth and six at the end of a game or something, and a team is desperate to try to keep their drive alive, then maybe you go with a Justin Evans instead because he's really good when it comes to blitzing off of the edge and getting after the quarterback. And eventually you start to see what Alante Taylor can bring you in that category as well. So there are a lot of different ways as the New Orleans Saints can actually, I'm not going to say benefit from the trade of C.J. Garner-Johnson, but I'm going to say benefit with a new approach to the position entirely as opposed to trying to one-for-one replace C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I hope that that makes sense, because I think that one-for-one replacing C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you're going to fail there. But taking a whole new approach to how you do this in a matchup-based approach, particularly a, a, a defense that wants to be so versatile, that wants to be multiple, that wants to show you a bunch of different looks and disguise and all these other things, That fits super well with what the New Orleans Saints are already planning to do on defense. So it feels like it's something that is, let's say, natural, like a natural fit or an organic fit with what the New Orleans Saints defense kind of already is. So I like that a lot. I see somebody in the chat, Ollie Fisher, saying that Lonte Taylor should be the starter. I would agree if he would have been able to practice over the course of the of the offseason. I think you need to let him get some more like weeks of practice under his belt, but expect him to hit the field. Early. If he's healthy week one, you will see 27 on the field week one, whether it's special teams or defense. So he'll get his reps in, but I think you got to get him some more reps before you you throw him out there to the wolves and let him be, you know, the starter. Hey, look, Paul Sinadibo, you know, did it last year, did the thing last year, big time, but can't expect that to happen with every rookie corner. So that's why that I look at the, I <laughs> know, I know, um, I, I messed up with Terrace, Ter, uh, Terrace Marshall's name and I called him Terrace Howard and now the chat's going crazy. Uh, <laughs> but so the, the big thing here is 
figuring out the way to replace C.J. Garner-Johnson shouldn't be the one-to-one conversation. It's taking a multiplicity, very versatile approach to the replacing or addressing the role, I think is really, really wise by Dennis Allen and the New Orleans Saints defense. Now, let's get to um, Trevor Penning. How do the New Orleans Saints, or how are the New Orleans Saints impacted on the offensive line with the injury to Trevor Penning, and what do they need to do to fill those shoes as a key depth piece to begin the season, but then also making sure that Trevor Penning's development is headed the right direction so that he eventually becomes your starter. We'll do that, and I'll project the first 11 personnel and 12 personnel and 21 personnel groups that we see for the New Orleans Saints week one. I'll define what all that means and give you all of the positions as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about the Elias Game Plan app, the ultimate sports betting and fantasy uh, companion for the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Uh, Elias is absolutely one of the greatest when it comes to analytics and stats and info and gathering some really, really fantastic stuff. You see it all the time on like ESPN Sports and Info and all that. But now that information isn't exclusive to guys like ESPN and Fox Sports and all that other stuff. It's now in your pocket with the Elias Game Plan app. Super cool stuff. And of course, they are the official statisticians of the U.S. Pro Sports Leagues. I love saying that because I love the word statisticians. Uh, So the Elias Game Plan app is the only one that comes from the most trusted name in data, Elias. That's going to give you the opportunity to look at key injuries that are going to have the biggest impacts on different matchups. You can follow your favorite teams, and also you can quickly access news and updates for those teams and the opponents that you're going up against in terms of you know your fantasy opponents and things like that at just the tap of a button. So go ahead and check it out. It is uh, with the NFL season right around the corner. You'll want to download that Elias Game Plan app today. And right now I've got a special offer for you. If you subscribe, you're going to get four, get a 14-day uh, free trial off of a monthly subscription plan, but only if you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L. Find the Elias Game Plan Sports Betting app in the App Store, the Play Store, and use that promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again for being here for another live episode uh, here on the show. The chat is popping right now. It is on fire. Uh, Ross, why why you mentioned my name? Faith-based workplace. There you go. I'll mention your name. That's <laughs> fine for me. Uh, so I, I love all y'all. Like, I'm so happy everybody's here. So I appreciate y'all very much for being here, whether you're watching live or you're listening live or listening later and listen or uh, watching later, all of that. So there's a whole bunch of good stuff. Um, there is a a good question here from uh, City Pella who asked, "Do you think that the Saints will do good without him?" And I assume that's a question about C.J. Gardner Johnson. Yes. Like, let's be real here. Like, losing C.J. Gardner Johnson is a big deal for this New Orleans Saints defense because he was such a key part of what the Saints defense did. But at the same time, he's a nickel corner, right? In this New Orleans Saints scheme, he was a nickel corner. That's a low impact position and one that you can replace. Replacing C.J. Gardner-Johnson is the bigger task. Replacing and finding good play at the nickel cornerback spot is not the big task. So yes, it's not like this New Orleans Saints team is all of a sudden not a winning team because of this trade. He's important in terms of what he serves as a person and as a role as a human being for this team, but it's a nickel cornerback spot. You can find other nickel cornerbacks and the Saints have some really, really fantastic nickel corners 
that are that are options. Oh, faith based. I know. I know. I'm just messing with you, uh, Terrence Howard. <laughs> All right. So let's get now to uh, we talked about how the Saints can work down, how the Saints can replace C.J. Gardner Johnson or at least fill the role going into 2022. But what do the New Orleans Saints do uh, for the uh, for for kind of this left tackle position, right? With Trevor Penning being injured, what does that mean for the Saints at left tackle and along the offensive line, all that? Like, it, it, it's a weird conversation because we know that Trevor Penning was very unlikely to be the starter week one up against Atlanta. We, if both were healthy, James Hurst was ahead in terms of that battle, clearly ahead in terms of that battle. Not that Trevor Penning was doing poorly, but just like James Hurst is a veteran and the NFL has played like nine seasons. He's going to be a little bit better than the guy that transitioned to the position in college and then made the leap from the University of Northern Iowa to the NFL. He's going to have some steps ahead in that case. I'd be worried if he didn't, right? Or Trevor Penning would just be a generational talent if, if that wasn't the case. And that can still happen, but you need to develop that talent first. So we're watching now Trevor Penning, or we have been watching Trevor Penning, develop over the course of the offseason. The issue becomes that he was going to play a key role in terms of depth. We've already seen James Hurst dealing with a foot injury over the course of the offseason, heard it during the second practice up against Green Bay in those joint practices, and then also gets into a situation to where the you're, you're worried about re-injury and you don't necessarily have the depth to pick up there. Now, Landon Young has been back, which is good. The Saints added Tanner Owen, who you know, from Northwest Missouri State University, who started all like 52 games at left tackle for Northwest Missouri State University. So he's got a really good pedigree. He's a very healthy player. Those are things that you love. But you still need some depth there, experience depth, because you're going to need it not just for while Trevor Penning is out, right? But you're going to need it for a little bit after he comes back because you want to you need to pick up the development time that you the progress that you've lost with him being injured right like that's kind of the thing there's the timeline for you know Trevor Penning being healthy enough to practice but then the timeline for his progress kind of halts where it is right now until he begins practicing so that gives you another kind of buffer period of progress and development that you need to pick up with Trevor Penning so that's why i think the New Orleans Saints should look to bring in another tackle that's uh, either a you know a, a veteran tackle or even just a tackle that like they really really like and that fits the scheme. It doesn't have to be a, an Eric Fisher. It doesn't have to be a Nate Solder. It would be great if it was, but it doesn't have to be that, right? You're looking for depth at that point, and you're probably going to go to Landon Young before you end up going to this person anyway. So really, what you're just looking for is somebody else to kind of bolster the numbers so that you're set. Now, Lewis Kidd is on the roster, and I'll tell you what, Lewis Kidd performed pretty well and got the most snaps, I believe, out of any offensive lineman over the course of uh, training camp. Certainly got a lot of them, or excuse me, through the preseason, certainly got a lot of them during training camp as well. Uh, so the Saints kind of have a little bit of that personnel, but getting another like veteran left tackle does make a lot of sense. So the Saints have some big shoes that they kind of need to address, big holes to fill, things like that, but they have the talent, they have the personnel, they have the depth to be able to make up for uh, players in those conversations. Okay, let's have a little bit of fun here. This was a, a great question that actually came up from someone uh, during one of the, it was uh, Jaime Gonzalez who asked about giving a projected lineup for the offense. So you know me, I'm extra. So I'm not just gonna give you a projected lineup for the offense. I'm gonna give you 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 21 personnel because I have I got a problem, right? And so, <laughs> and so for me, 
Uh, looking at 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 21 personnel means 11 personnel. First digit is the number of uh, running back. Second digit is the number of tight end. So 11 personnel means one running back, one tight end. And then you fill out the rest of the five skill position players, non-offensive line, non-quarterbacks with wide receivers. So that would mean one running back, one tight end, and then three wide receivers. This is easy, right? Your projected starting lineup in that case, going from left tackle to right ca- right tackle on the offensive line are going to be James Hurst. Um, uh, uh, Andrus Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, and then Ryan Ramchek. That's your offensive line. And that is steady for all three of these personnel groups. So we're not even going to go over the offensive line again. It's those five guys from left tackle to right tackle. That's easy. Your quarterback is Jameis Winston. Bob, there you go. Now, when it comes to the skill position players, things can get a little interesting. 11 personnel is pretty easy though. I think you've got Alvin Kamara. And then I actually think that the first tight end to hit the field in 11 personnel in 2022 is going to be Jawan Johnson. That's just kind of me calling my shot. That's not reporting anything or anything like that. Like 11 personnel, you're usually passing and he's maybe your biggest passing threat outside of Taysom Hill. Or is Taysom Hill the first tight end to go out there in 11 personnel? See, I went back and forth on this when I was writing these down too. I'm going to change. I'm going to go with Taysom Hill. I'm feeling the pressure. I'm feeling the heat, y'all. I feel the smoke. I feel the smoke. I'm going to go with Taysom Hill. So Taysom Hill at tight end, and then your three wide receivers are easy, right? You've got uh, Michael Thomas, you've got Jarvis Landry, and then you've got Chris Olave. That's that's pretty simple. Um, 12 personnel, again, same offensive line, same quarterbacks. The only difference is that instead of having one wide receiver or three wide receivers, you're going to have two wide receivers and two tight ends. 12 personnel is going to be one running back and two tight ends. So with the one running back, it's of course still Alvin Kamara. With the two uh, tight ends, I know it is a tough one. Uh, with the two tight ends, I think in this you're looking for the blocking tight ends. So I think what actually makes sense here is Adam Troutman as well as uh, Nick Vanette. You want the two, you want the two big blockers there, and then your outside receivers, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, because those are probably your best perimeter blockers, unless. Traquan Smith somehow still hangs around on the roster going into the going into week one and is available to play. Then maybe you see him and Jarvis Landry in a run situation in 12 personnel, but I'm not sure. And then 21 personnel, I'll mix it up just a little bit, right? You've got two running backs, one tight end. So you're going with the blocking tight end. I think that's Nick Vanette in 21. And then on the outside, you're probably going to go with the absolute best blockers that you have. So I think in that case, you're looking at like Jarvis Landry and either Marquez Calorie or Traquan Smith, who's ever there. But the running backs, I'm actually going to go with Adam Prentice as well as Mark Ingram instead of Alvin Kamara. So that's my sort of interesting thing. Although I will tell you that I expect to see a lot of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara on the field at the same time in 2022. That's all I'm going to give you. All right. That's my projections for 11, 12, and 21 personnel. Coming up next, let's dive into some of your questions, including who's going to be the linebacker that gets the most snaps in 2022 next to Demario Davis. It's a unique conversation, and I'll tell you why as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. Before we get to that, I got an important message for you. One of those people who thinks that it's okay to drive stoned, what's the worst that can happen, right? You go a little bit under the speed limit, things like that. It's not a big deal, right? Wrong. Things can always go wrong when you're behind the wheel of a car. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But the truth is that your reaction time also slows way down uh, when you're high, apparently. So you not, you're not just putting yourself in danger, but everyone around you. So just make a better choice, plan for a ride share, plan for somebody to drive you home, all that. Easy, easy to deal with. So stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. Uh, if you're using any drugs of any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different, drive high, get a DUI.
did it, Huda Nation. We are wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with some of your questions from our previous, uh, from all of our previous uh, live streams and things like that that we've done. Y'all have been so awesome with all the questions. And then uh, I- I'm going to grab a couple that I'm seeing in the chat as well. Let's 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 start off first, though, with the big conversation, which I thought was a good question here. And then this one actually came from um, uh, Dre Day Rich, who asked, who is going to be next to Demario Davis? So to me, there's two questions here. Who is going to be the linebacker to start next to Demario Davis is one answer. Who will be the linebacker getting the most snaps next to Demario Davis could possibly be the second, could possibly be a different answer. Now, ideally, they're the same answer, Pete Werner, right? Nice and easy, but Pete Werner's been dealing with this groin injury. Groin injuries sometimes have, you know, some problems with like peaking back up and not really being, you know, not really ever fully going away, stuff like that. So if you're concerned about that, then it might be worth entertaining that second question with a little bit more specificity. Who is going to be the linebacker to get the most snaps next to Demario Davis. So if Pete Werner has an injury pop up again over the course of the season, who is the next person in line? I think that's one of the reasons why Eric Wilson is on the practice squad still. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Eric Wilson on the active roster by the time that week one rolls around, especially if Pete Werner's injury continues to be something of concern. Now, he told reporters yesterday that he is feeling really good about the progress of his injury. It's on his mind to be ready by week one. That's absolutely his goal, all of that. So, so far, so good in terms of what we're hearing about the injury. But, you know, look, reality and expectation are two different things. So we kind of have to wait and see how everything goes. But in the meanwhile, knowing that Pete Werner is the guy that should be starting next to Demario Davis, that's the answer to your first question. But that second question Who's going to be the one to get the most starts next to Demario Davis or take the most snaps next to, DeMar- to Demario Davis? That's going to be really interesting to watch based upon potential re-injury for Pete Werner. Obviously, you hope that the answer is the same person and that everything is good. But Eric Wilson is on the practice squad, somebody to watch in case something like that were to happen. Um, so the next piece here, uh, I want to grab a question that I saw in the chat from today. Chris Sanders, uh, will we see some tight end sweeps this year? I think the answer is yeah, and especially with Taysom Hill now at that tight end role, I think you want to try to get Taysom Hill the ball in his hands without him having to pass the ball, like without him having to be a thrower as much as you can. He'll still throw a couple of passes here and there. He'll still take snaps at quarterback, all of that. I can tell you that for a fact. Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael, like it's already been confirmed that that's a part of the offense going into 2022. That's a smart thing to say before the season begins as well. But I do think that the other interesting thing would be kind of getting him on those jet sweeps and stuff of that coming from the tight end spot, getting him the ball in the backfield and then letting him get into space. I think Taysom Hill in space is a special player. And I don't just mean like Taysom Hill in an astronaut, like literally in space. I mean, Taysom Hill with space in between him and some defenders. Um, The next thing that I wanted to uh, discuss was uh, Tanner Owens measurables. I I had somebody ask me about that the other day, and I've talked a little bit about Tanner Owen and sort of like what he has been during his time at Northwest Missouri State University. Uh, So let me give you just a couple more kind of tidbits about him. He's six foot five, 292 pounds, has played almost exclusively left guard during his time there. I'm looking over at um, at his stuff from the... University of or the Northwest Missouri State University Bearcats website. He started off with the University of Missouri. He was the number 17 recruit in Missouri by ESPN of the 2015 uh, class. He transferred then to 
uh, this school afterwards. And he transferred, I believe, as an offensive line, appeared in all offensive linemen, appeared in all 12 games his first season there, um, played all 13 games at left tackle in 2018, started all 14 games at left tackle in 2019. You see the trend here, 52 games of his collegiate career he started. So he never missed the game. So really cool to see that. Um, he was also uh, a part of um, keeping the, the the quarterback clean, number one in the nation when it came to passing completion percentage, 73.6%, number one in the nation in passing efficiency, 187.3 rating for that quarterback as well. So the thing that that tells me is that he is used to working in a system that gets the ball out quickly and sticks pretty close to the line of scrimmage, which I think is still going to be the majority of what this 2022 offense for the New Orleans Saints is going to be. They're going to take shots downfield. They're going to take them when they're available. Think about this New Orleans Saints 2022 offense as being one that will be structured much like the 2011 through 2013 offensive years. I can't promise you that they're going to have that same level of production, that same level of efficiency, the record-breaking you know, total yards, all of that stuff. But the big piece is that that is still the offense that the New Orleans Saints are going to look more like as opposed to the 2018, 19, 20, and 21 years, which were a little bit closer to, which were you know completely closer to the line of scrimmage. So I think you still take those shots downfield, but this team is still going to predicate those deep shots by setting up everything close and efficient near the line of scrimmage first. And that's something that Jameis Winston has been working on all offseason. And I can say, from seeing him in practice, training camp, as well as, of course, during the preseason game when he had that start. Efficiency is something that he has really bolstered in his game. Only two interceptions over 100 and plus team reps in 2022's uh, training camp and practices. That's a really, really good place for him to be and to start with this 2022 NFL season with the New Orleans Saints, which you should be very excited about. All right, coming up next, or not coming up next, but coming up Tomorrow, we're going to be joined by Dylan Sanders of 24-7 Sports. Go 24-7 and speak a little bit on uh, Jarvis Landry, Tyron Matthew, the LSU influx of talent into this New Orleans Saints team, how exciting that is, and of course, getting to share the Superdome uh, here this season as well. So we'll get to all of that as we uh, get to our next episode of Locked on Saints, which will drop on Friday. I appreciate y'all as always for being here for another episode, making us your first listen of the day, and saying yes to me and the show. And of course, as always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Oh, make sure you go and check out Locked On Fantasy Football and the Ultimate Pro Football 2022 preview as well. But hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.